0: Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about comics Welcome to Screw It, we're just gonna talk about comics And I'm talking comic books The podcast hosted by two brothers, one of which is me, Kevin Hines And I'm the other one,
1: other one, uh, other brother named Will Hines
0: Yeah, we're two brothers, we're also two comedians From the UCB theaters in New York and Los Angeles Kevin, me, in New York, and Will, him in Los Angeles. That's right. And this is the podcast where we discuss comic books that we've loved as we grew up. Um, uh, sometimes when we were very young, uh, as we go on, probably comics we loved as we were older. But uh, this is the beginning of our third season, Will. I know. Exciting.
1: I can't believe yeah. how much life has gone by.
0: Uh, we've changed a lot since we started this. I've this gone- is also... Uh, uh, you've also what? Gone through several heroes' journeys. I've uh, been married ten times.
1: Yeah. It's crazy how that keeps happening.
0: And my children keep trying to kill me and I have to fend them off. Um, and I, I, I one of these days they'll kill me and take my place.
1: Well, th- when they
0: finally do it, they've earned it. Yeah. I'm excited for it actually.
1: I like how you have that, um, special technology that lets you speed up the gestation process.
0: I mean, it doesn't feel special to me. It just feels like what I know. Sure.
1: But here we are in season three and Kevin, we're going to be doing the incredible Hulk, the original, the original run.
0: Yeah, the, which is a six-issue run, a really short run. Compared to the FF run we did last season, which was 102 issues, this is six issues.
1: Yes, and we are sticking to our one-issue-per-episode pledge. That's our pledge to you, the listener, one-issue-per-episode. Although not this episode, we're just doing an intro for this episode and the next episode. So we're, we're liars one way or the other. We either do too much or too little.
0: This will be a general Hulk discussion and a general Will and Kevin discussion. And then next week we'll do issue one— And we'll do an issue each week until Mm -hmm. we get to issue six. And then uh, we'll see where we go from there. Also, I'll probably talk about, though, I don't think we'll cover the Ditko Tales to Astonish Hulk stories that followed issue six.
1: Yeah. What an exciting time at Marvel when Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko were the main artists doing most of the stories.
0: Uh, These six issues are weird compared to both Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. But they're really fun.
1: They're really fun. Um before we get into these six issues, why don't we just talk about what who the Hulk is? Sure. Who's the Hulk, Kevin? And like, and like, uh, and maybe even talk about what 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 your relationship to the comic book the Hulk is. Uh,
0: okay. Well, the Hulk is a scientist, Doctor Bruce Banner, mm-hmm. who is exposed to gamma rays, and those rays make him periodically turn into a giant, green, strong monster, often stupid. Right. Uh, maybe most famous. Uh, Prior to this decade, this last 10 years, in the Hulk TV show starring Bill Bixby.
1: Yeah, in the 1970s.
0: Had a a Hulk that couldn't talk and mostly moved in slow motion. (laughs) And it was sort of like an anthology show where Bruce Banner would travel to different towns looking for a cure, get involved in some local problem, and then the Hulk would throw a tree trunk and it would be solved. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was a kid when that was out. That
1: was out in the 70s, the late, I don't know what year, 1977, 1978 or something like that, and uh, I was seven or eight when it came out, and I I loved the Hulk TV show, even though it's one of those shows where you look back and you watch it, you're like, man, this was pretty bad, and the special effects were definitely nothing. It was really fun, Uh, and it ran for more than one season, right? I remember it being kind of like a thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was a a genuine, at least hit. I mean, it was a hit, I don't know, a short-lived hit, I guess, um... I feel like I've only seen a few episodes. I definitely saw the TV movies that kind of wrapped it up where like uh, much later on they did like a TV movie with Daredevil and Thor. Five seasons it ran, Will.
1: Five seasons. That's incredible. And um, I mean for Marvel Comics, you know, at that point, that's the late 70s. That's only 15 years after the comic book is like born. Um, And it's probably the first huge media success you know, besides that, it's just the Spider-Man cartoons and Spider-Man being on The Electric Company, right? So the Hulk TV yeah. show is pretty big. I mean, I it mean primetime television cartoons. show. Everybody watched it?
0: Yeah, it's just cartoons and kids' stuff until the Hulk, at least from Marvel standpoint, until the Hulk became a TV show. Uh, I, I think that follows Wonder Woman and Batman, or, it's you know, all in that same range, at least. But for Marvel, this, Bat- the Hulk was sort of their first big breakthrough character.
1: Yeah. And, and he was uh,
0: canceled after six issues.
1: Yeah, the comic book was canceled after six issues. Um, the Hulk's one of the one of the big ones, right? Like he's one of the big Marvel characters. Like there's Spider-Man yes. and Wolverine, who's you know later than the other guys, but I'd say Wolverine is one of the big Marvel characters. Yeah, you know because of the movies, Iron Man. The movies changed everything. But
0: like yeah, when the, we were the kids, MCU, yeah. Prior to Iron Man, the movie. Spider-Man's the number one character. Hulk is probably number two. Yeah. And then the X-Men are probably the next biggest, like the Claremont X-Men are probably the next biggest known characters, mostly Wolverine, but the other ones as well. Yeah. And that's a lot of that Fox X-Men cartoon just like made so many fans. Yeah.
1: It feels like that. It feels like, and certainly when we were kids in the 1980s reading comics, it was Spidey and the Hulk and Thor would be the visual representation of Marvel.
0: And I've always loved the Hulk. Um, Yeah, the Hulk the,
1: Hulk is a huge hit and he's really weird. And as we'll discover when we go through these six issues, it's strange because the comics did not have a clear hold on who he was or how he worked. And really over the whole run of the comic series, and Kevin, you've read a lot more of the Hulk than I have, he's changed a lot. Like it's weird that the character of the Hulk changes dramatically depending on when you're reading the Hulk, but he's always popular.
0: Yeah, he—sort of his shifting status quo in these first six issues becomes his status quo, where it's like the Hulk changes constantly, before even other characters really change that much. I mean, he goes through a long period of just sort of being the uh, banner gets angry, turns into Hulk, Hulk smash. That lasted a while, but he's had so many different versions. Even during that era, there'd be like just— status quo changes that, like, Spider-Man didn't have or the Fantastic Four didn't... I mean, what the Fantastic Four status quo was like, Crystal joined the team for, like, a year. Yeah. Where, like, the Hulk would change and be like, oh, Banner controls the Hulk.
1: I think what popular conception is of the Hulk is what the TV show had, which is mild-mannered scientist, when he gets angry, he turns into the Hulk, and he's a pretty dumb, uh, out-of-control beast who is still somehow mostly good like it doesn't seem like the Hulk ever kills anybody although he is impossible how he doesn't because he's always like throwing buildings around but like he's presented as a guy who is like leave me alone humanity I just want to be left alone I'm not bad I'm just out of control angry right that's the popular conception of the Hulk which is also what the Hulk is a lot in the comics but just as often you could pick up a Hulk comic and the Hulk could be like wearing a suit or or like Sometimes he's unimaginably dumb, like can't talk. And sometimes the Hulk seems like pretty with it. Like when he joined the Avengers for the first couple issues of the Avengers in the 60s, the Hulk would like have conversations and
0: agree to strategy and plans and stuff like that. I mean, even these first six issues that we're covering, he talks. Yeah. Like pretty normal.
1: Yeah. So, like, how smart the Hulk is, like, changes a lot. How good yeah. or bad the Hulk is kind of changes. But what I think is remarkable is that no matter what, the Hulk is a hit. Like, somehow just the drawing of Banner turning into this big monster who wasn't even green in the first issue. He was gray. Yeah. But then he's green in the second issue, right? Right. Um, the audience is like hey, comic book, you might not know who this guy is, but we know who this guy is and we love him. <laughs> like, we yeah. are on
0: board. He was supposed to always be gray, but it was either, like, it was too hard for the coloring in the ink, for the the, the minimal ink palettes they had to keep it consistent, uh, or there was some issue with the inks where it's was just like, uh, green is easier, we'll just do green.
1: And just like a, such a huge decision in comics gets made, so it's like, uh, you know what, Wisconsin's too hard to say, call him Indiana. Or whatever, and it's just, like, arbitrarily. Yeah. Oh, a a blaster's too hard to animate? Let's just make a lightsaber. That'll just be easier to do the effect. I mean, that's not how that happened. But, like, as if these, like, (laughs) iconic things in pop culture were made, like, you know, so arbitrarily.
0: I love it. Uh, I mean, and the Hulk has villain colors, right? Green and purple.
1: Yeah, that's right. As Chip Zartsky pointed out to us in our first season when we did Spider-Man, Heroes are often in the primary colors of red, blue, and yellow, and then your bad guys are in the secondary colors of uh, green, purple, and orange and stuff. And um, yeah, Hulk's got villain colors. But people love the Hulk. I think it's interesting that your son, Cameron, wanted to be the Hulk so young. He was like, oh, I want to be the Hulk.
0: Right? Yeah I bought him superhero books that would have all the characters in them, hoping he would love Spider-Man. And he liked Spider-Man okay, but he gravitated towards the Hulk really quickly. I think he is just visually he pops from the page. Yeah. And the name is very memorable and simple. Yeah. Uh, And so he immediately loved the Hulk. Uh, We'll see how that lasts. Uh, Lately he's been more into Buzz Lightyear. So yeah. Um, it's, it's evolving, but he, yeah, his first, his, the first costume he chose for Halloween, which is when he's two was the Hulk.
1: Yeah. So there's just something like primally appealing about the Hulk. Um, and when we yeah. get into the issues, we'll get into it, but even just like rereading these early issues, like the Hulk is so fun right away. Like when the Hulk shows up, I'm, I always smile. I'm like, yay, he's here. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I, oh, before we get even, I was going to talk about my history of the Hulk, but before we get into this, I also think this is the end of our trilogy, um, Because this was the last digest of Marvel Comics that we had.
1: That's right. There were these little digests that came out in the late 1970s, these little paperback books uh, that reprinted early Marvel Mm -hmm. Comics. And we had three volumes of the original Spider-Man comics, which took us issues 1 through 20, although not the annuals. The first annual, right? I don't think so. Why do I keep thinking that was in there? You might be right, but... Um, not all of them. And then there was the first six issues of the Fantastic Four were collected in a digest. And then the first mm-hmm. six issues of the Hulk were collected in a digest. I so the entire, uh, the entire initial, initial run. run. Yeah. I think there was also other digest that we didn't get that came out a little later. Like I think there might have been a Thor one. I'm not sure. I
0: mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't we, get any didn't of them. Have... I just read your copies. Yeah, so, so The it... only ones we still have are the Spider-Man ones that you bought back. Uh, from your friend who bought them at a tag sale my
1: friend Doug Pfeiffer I gave up the books to a church like book sale or something thinking I was being good and then my friend Doug Pfeiffer bought them and then when I over his house I saw them and I wanted them so much I begged for them back and he just he kind of I think begrudgingly gave them to me he was like this is sort of not cool and I was like please please so Doug Doug gave them back and
0: Doug's a good person you're the devil
1: I'm the devil and Doug is good
0: but yeah, so in a way, this is, I think, the end of our first trilogy. It's sort of an unlinked trilogy of these digests are sort of all synced up in my mind. These early comics, the, those are like the only Kirby and Ditko art I saw for a long time were these digests.
1: The, um, the comic book editor, Tom Brevort. Brevoort?
0: Let's go with that.
1: Um, has an excellent blog where he sort of gets into the nitty gritty of comics. And a lot of times he'll dig into like the original art of old Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko comics and sort of like try to speculate on what the collaboration process was based on just context yeah. clues and stuff. It's a really fun blog. If you are of a particular sort of deep dive comics nerd, but he makes references, he,
0: And he's an editor at Marvel. So he also just knows a little bit how they've made and met some of the people mm-hmm. involved or who or at least knew the people involved. So he's got some insider knowledge, but he clearly doesn't know any of the answers. He's just sort of trying to guess using his, Experience.
1: Yeah, it's a really fun blog. But he makes reference to these digests. He had these digests as a kid, and he'll talk about them.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was reading comics. Uh, probably, I don't know, maybe younger than you. Yeah, um,
1: but closer to our age than sort of like he's, the yeah. modern comics reader. So he's yeah, he's, he's, he's sure. had he's kind of went through stuff at the same similar time as us. It's kind of so. Therefore, I like him.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was reading uh, FF when it was George Perez on art, but he was reading reprints of the Kirby, Stanley stuff.
1: Yeah, so it's fun. So, yeah, what's your relationship to the Hulk? Because you've, you've read a lot of Hulk, I think.
0: Yeah, so for me, the Hulk was, well, the first probably experience I had with the Hulk was... Um, Saturday morning cartoon. He was sort of linked up with the amazing friends. Spider-Man is amazing friends. And the Hulk had an hour block. Mm. Um, I knew the Hulk before that, but I think like I watched that cartoon religiously Mm -hmm. and that was the, uh, I think, I think he did not speak. I think he just roared Hulk. (laughs) Okay. Um, just smashing stuff. And I I definitely didn't like it as much as Spider-Man, but I also watched it. Yeah. Um, but the Hulk was the second comic that I collected. It was my second comic I put on my pull list. Ooh. At the comic shop. But first was Marvel team up, which was uncancelled two issues later <laughs> and uh, evolved into web of Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, which I kept on my poll list, but wasn't really a very good comic very quickly early on in web. It became a bad Spider-Man comic. Okay. though the first issue was great. Um, <laughs> okay. uh, and, uh, the Hulk I started collecting too. I collected a, it and it was very early in Peter David's run. Uh, so with Todd McFarlane art, and I I think I had to go back and get the first few issues of that run later on, but it was very early in that run, which was Peter David um, sort of guy who had done like some fill in stories on Spider-Man had never had a long run, uh, and then was given the Hulk title to work on. And he wrote a great essay about it once. I don't know if you've read it called anything but the Hulk. Yes, I have read that. Uh, he was offered, he, he said, what comic would you like to write? And he said, anything but the Hulk. And the first book he got to write was the Hulk. <laughs> uh, and he wrote it for, I think, 12 years or something. Yeah. Um, and his first arc with Todd McFarlane on art, Todd McFarlane, who had yet to break out, is unbelievably good. Yeah. And it followed a John Byrne run that was pretty good. And then, yeah, Peter David was on forever. So the consi- it was a very consistently good book. It was probably the longest thing I'd like when I stopped collecting the Hulk, which is basically when Peter David stopped writing it. It was like oof, yeah. That's that's that was like the main book I collected.
1: And do you read them anymore now? Do you ever check in with the Hulk and stuff?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like Spider Man, I can't stay away forever. And then um, the Hulk will get good, and then it'll get not so good, and it'll get good again. Uh, like there was a great run by Greg Pak called Planet Hulk for a while. Or, uh, yeah, Planet Hulk. Um, that was really fun. Uh, and right now, The Hulk is probably the best comic Marvel's putting out. It's called The Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing. Uh, it's, it's a twisted, it feels almost like Swamp Thing esque. Yeah. It feels like more like a horror comic with The Hulk as a central character. It's, it's a little more superheroes than that sounds like. Um, but it, it definitely leans heavily in that direction, sort of an Alan Moore esque. Um, I'm telling the story using this character. Yeah,
1: but he's not necessarily, character. yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Hulk is very important to the story, but it's it, it feels just so different from the Hulk. Yeah. Totally honoring everything that's come before it. And the art is incredible, and it's really good. It's, it's easily my second favorite Hulk run already.
1: Oh, high praise, uh, high praise. Uh, after
0: the Peter David stuff. Um and who knows where it's going and if it'll hold up. But right now it has been consistently great and I highly recommend reading the Immortal Hulk if you if you like Hulk or if you like Marvel Comics.
1: I think I've read Hulk nowhere near as much as you, and I think I've I never collected him when I was like in my reading phase. I had that digest of six issues.
0: You definitely bought the John Byrne issues oh, or that's some right. of that. I bought
1: the John Byrne Hulk because I loved John Byrne's Fantastic Four stories so much that I sort of yeah. followed John Byrne everywhere for a little while.
0: Yeah, and that's like six or seven issues. It's not very many. There's
1: not that many, yeah. So, right, I bought those. And I would, like, get a Hulk issue every now and then, or maybe I would just read yours. Uh, you know, he would show up all over in other books. I, yeah. In the 1970s, when I was, I was born in 1970, so, like, in, like, the mid to late 70s, you know, I would buy comic books at just whatever, at, like, 7-Eleven or something, or at Walden Books, just grab random issues. And I would get issues of the Hulk then. Um, and so I would get, like, one issue every two years. Um, never have any idea of what was going on. I mean, I was learning how to read. <laughs> but I remember one of them Hulk's in the microverse, and he's got, like, a wife or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's right, yes. Girlfriend, and, like, there's, like, a— Jarella, tri- Jarella, yeah, and there's, like, a tribal society. And I, th- I think I knew who the Hulk was just from, like, lunch boxes or, like— I don't know coloring books or something. I was like, "What's going on with this? This is like weird." And then, like a couple years later, I'd read just be Hulk in the desert fighting tanks. I never, I was like, "This guy's crazy." I never know what's going on with it. Like, you buy any issue of Spider-Man from the sixties, seventies, and eighties, you know, he's trying to get rent money. He's fighting the Vulture. He's worried about Aunt May. It's in New York City, right? Like, pretty much. Yeah. There's exceptions to yeah. that, but you, you're. It's a high percentage that that's what's happening. But Hulk it could be like, oh, he's hanging around with like a caveman band or whatever. And it's like, oh, the Hulk's playing bass for the pretenders. Oh, the the Hulk is uh, running a casino. What's going on?
0: Yeah, it, he's interesting. He was sort of like uh, ahead of his time because I think a lot of comics now, every time a creator comes on, it's like, well, what's different? What makes this run stand out? And so like, it feels like every time a new writer takes over a book, there's a big shift in the status quo. There's less like, oh, this continues right from where the last guy left off. It's just like, here's the new story. Uh, but the Hulk has always been like that. <laughs> Even during Peter David's run, it feels like there are four or five different types of Hulk stories. Uh, definitely the best run was when he was playing bass for The Pretenders, so you're right.
1: <laughs> That's a Simpsons reference that I love. Like Homer goes to college and he says the Dean is stuffy and the Dean reveals that he plays bass for The Pretenders and is like so cool.
0: Um, I love Simpsons references but I wish it was the Hulk Reach out and tell us anything, honestly, and we might talk about it on a future episode of this podcast. Thanks for listening to Screw It. We're just going to talk
1: about comics from Campfire Media. What do you think it is, Kevin? What about the Hulk is appealing? What works?
0: I think because he's so simple. I I, I, like my favorite characters, other than Spider Man, I think are very simple characters. I've always loved the Flash, he just runs. And the Hulk is just strong. I think there's something very simple about that. Uh, and then you also toss in this idea of the Hulk as sort of a, uh, you know, the, the only complication is that it's a curse and sort of uncontrollable. Yeah. And there's something fun about that where it's like, ooh, who knows? Suspense is so interesting in everything. Uh, uh, I'm a huge baseball fan, uh, as are you. As am, I. Yes. And what I love about baseball, and most people find it boring, but what I love about baseball is, weirdly, when nothing is happening and something's about to happen. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, anything could happen right now, Mm -hmm. right before this pitch. Yeah. Maybe nothing will happen. Maybe it'll just be a pitch, and the guy will catch it, and it'll be a ball, and and the catcher will throw it back to the pitcher, and then that will be back to the suspense again. Mm -hmm. Or maybe someone will hit a home run or pop it you know, hit into a double play, like anything could happen. Yeah. Um, and the Hulk sort of is that same way where it's like, you know, banners walking around, anything could happen or yeah. nothing could happen. I mean, it's a comic book, so something's going to happen, but you just never know what's going to trigger him.
1: I think I some Stan Lee essay or something, or, and I'm sure other people have said this cause it's sort of obvious, but like the Hulk combines, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with Frankenstein, like a man who gets turned into turned into a monster sort of against his will. Although I guess in Jekyll and Hyde he always did it on purpose, but whatever. You know the idea of like transforming yeah. into a monster.
0: Definitely uh, the Bugs Bunny version of Jekyll and Hyde was a, he, he had no control over it. Yeah. Which is most people consider the the that's the canonical that's the source. Yeah, that's the you know when people think of Jekyll and Hyde they think of when Bugs they Bunny, think Bunny Bugs drinks Bunny, the Jekyll yeah. and Hyde serum.
1: <laughs> yep. I thought you scared me when I was a kid.
0: Uh, and Frankenstein.
1: And Frankenstein, who's like um, misunderstood outcast, who might commit violence just from not knowing any better, but also seems weirdly kind of sweet and hounded by a you know a, a mob of villagers yeah. holding torches. So like he sort of combines these two things.
0: The splash page of issue two looks like Frankenstein. We'll get to that, I'll, I'll probably bring it up again. But it just looks like Frankenstein colored green almost.
1: Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I guess it kind of taps into something very primal. It also uh, is it's very of Marvel Comics that the Hulk was not smoothed out originally. Like, they really – I mean, Marvel fascinates me so much, 60s Marvel. So yeah. much fun, so much creativity, but also so out of control. Like, the, if you pitched the stories that they did in the original, except for Spider-Man, which was yeah. modern kind of right away – but yes. Hulk and Fantastic Four—if you went to like a, like a council of comic book fans, who didn't who in this reality didn't know about the Hulk—like really. here's the idea and here's the story—they'd be like, "What? Don't? Why are you doing X or Y? You're making
0: it weird." Yeah, yeah think about it. Maybe go back and just think about what stories take, you want to tell. Take a breath. <laughs> yeah, but
1: that chaos is part of the stew. That's part of the fun. Like this sense of a of a train just pushing forward on the on the tracks with with maybe. Uh, that doesn't mean—an uh, engine roaring across the prairie going any which way is better. And you don't know which way it's going to go.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm going to get some of these facts wrong, so okay. get ready for this, listeners. Yeah. Um, this is—everything <laughs> I'm about to say is inaccurate, but Great. close. Um, that the Hulk was—you know, issue one came out, and it wasn't a huge hit, and Marvel can only publish whatever, like six or eight comics a month, uh, and so they wanted to make something new, so they had to cancel something, so they canceled the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they were going to cancel the Hulk, I think with issue like four or five, it was starting to get popular. And there was like a lot of letters being written in. And I think it was getting popular on college campuses. So they did like one or two more issues, but still canceled it because they needed to make room for a character that would like, you know, it's basically just like we'll create 30 television shows. And if 10 of them are hits, great. And then we cancel the other 20. Yeah. So Marvel was doing that. It's like "Ah, Hulk wasn't an instant hit. Let's make something else. Um, But then the Hulk just kept showing up. They kept, you know, Kirby and Lee liked the Hulk, so they kept putting him in all their other comics. Yeah. And he became more and more and more popular. And then they turned Tales to Astonish, which uh, featured Ant-Man. And and Ant-Man and uh, Iron Man, I believe. Um, And they got rid of Ant-Man and put the Hulk in. Poor Ant-Man. And... uh, and then, like, the, kind of the rest is history. And in that run, which we're not going to cover in detail, that's when Ditko drew, like, the first five or six issues, is where the Hulk kind of got stupider, and it became sort of a, activated by stress. And, it, and, like, then Ditko left and Kirby came back for a little bit, and then other people took over. But it was sort of during that run where the Hulk, that we would consider the classic Hulk, actually formed. But it's very interesting. There was a six issues that sort of like were popular but not popular enough. And then sort of this hidden run where he like showed up fighting Giant Man and Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four and the Avengers took place all in that time. And then he became a solo character again.
1: I'm looking at the timeline. Issue six of the Hulk was March, 1963, and then it was canceled. Tales to Astonish, he starts showing up in October, 1964. So it's a year and a half later.
0: Right, and, and during that period is where, like, the Avengers and... Um, yeah, he
1: guessed it in the FF and the Avengers and Spider-Man.
0: Yeah, that's when that Spider-Man issue with the first Green Goblin story happens. They just put him everywhere to keep him in the universe. Yeah. Like, it worked. He got his own role. And then eventually, you know, uh, Tales to Astonish became the Hulk. Crazy. Like, the Hulk took over that title the, completely at some point.
1: The numbering and stuff.
0: Yeah, and then Iron Man, I think, was the other one split off into its own book or something. Yeah. Whenever Marvel was allowed to have more books, all the, all the split stories became solo titles.
1: So, uh, yeah. So we're going to do an episode for each of the first six issues.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited. Uh, I love Rick Jones and he's a big part of these six issues. He's not in the movies really at all. Yeah. Uh, and so I like talking about Rick. Um, Thunderbolt Ross is up there with J Jonah Jameson and supporting characters Um, Uh, Betsy Ross is uh, as terrible as most love interests at this time at Marvel. Uh, yes. Um, but it's good stuff and it's crazy, man. We're going to talk about terrible meaning
1: meaning like underdeveloped. Like she's not given any.
0: She's
1: poorly written. Yes. We don't dislike the presence of Betsy Ross. She
0: becomes a great character later on. Definitely in Peter David's run. She's great. I think even John Byrne did better stuff with her. Not, uh, unsurprisingly, I think he was good at not, um, Shoving women aside, I think he was good at embracing the female characters in books at that time.
1: I mean, it was pretty—it uh, was pretty easy to beat the low bar of '60s Marvel when it came to making your female yes. characters. And but most I, most '80s comics, I think, did at least some yeah. some version better.
0: But I think Byrne—it seems like because no, of agree. what he did with uh, uh, Betty and what he did with Invisible Woman, Sue—is that he kind of like said, "Like, ah, I'm going to actively work on this, not just do it better because I can't do it worse. I'm going to." Take this character and make her cooler so that nobody in the future will shove her aside and ignore her. Right. But' it's some great characters, uh, the, the, I mean, we have this story where is slave to uh, Rick Jones. We have the weird moment where he has Banner's head, I mean, we're going to talk about all this stuff. I'm str- yeah. this is a trailer right now is what I'm doing. Yeah, a taste of what's about to come. It's some weird stuff in these six issues. I don't know if it's good. Even more so than the other stuff we've covered. I'm like, hey, if someone read these six issues, would they like them?
1: I think it's a weird mix of good and bad. And in a weird way, that is good. Uh, I I think what I'm learning as we go over all these 60s Marvel comics is there's something about sloppiness that gives things a feeling of authenticity. It's like, well, that's a dumb idea. This couldn't have been labored over too much. It's like watching a B-horror movie. Sometimes the dumb parts are the fun parts.
0: Yeah, I was talking to the movie Dark Man yesterday, uh, the Sam Raimi-directed, Sam Ham-written superhero starring Liam Neeson. And uh, the person I was talking with was like, that movie's bad. And I was like, I don't know, there's something about it that is so of its time and sort of not well done that makes me like it more.
1: Yeah, if you get certain things right in a genre piece, then we forgive you when you are real sloppy on connective tissue. Like if it's a zombie movie and you have a weird, dumb logic that allows zombies to come to exist, we don't care. We just want the zombies to exist. I mean, especially
0: if there's something else, right? It feels like, uh, there's the energy of this movie sort of just works. So I'll forgive a lot of other things, uh, or if like sort of the grittiness of it is there. So I don't care if it makes sense, but then if you watch like a polished Marvel universe movie. Now you're not going to be as forgiving.
1: That's right. Our standards are a lot higher. Um, like the
0: first Batman movie has no story. That's right. And we right. sort of forgive that because it had Tim Burton's vibe and we'd never seen anything like that before. And I was like, can this even work? Yeah. And so it's just sort of like, ah, this movie's cool. This movie's cool. But is cool. it a good movie? I don't know. I don't think it is. I it's not, it's a, not a good movie.
1: story, um, but it is a good movie. Like the, yeah. And it's, it's not because fun, of the story. It's fun for sure. Yeah. And, um, and I think
0: these comics feel like that. These comics feel more like the 89 Batman where it's just like, is this going to work?
1: Um, And so I I don't even think we've said it very clearly, but the original, the Hulk was created and the original comics are done by Jack Kirby, who's the artist and plotter and sort of main engine of the stories. But then also Stan Lee, who is the editor and writes the dialogue and also had a hand in the plots, I'm sure, especially the early ones. And there's always huge debate over how much they both were involved and collaborated, but we all agree that it is a Stan Lee hyphen Jack Kirby creation. Well, we like to put Jack Kirby first, right? So it's yeah. Jack
0: Kirby hyphen Stan Lee. And this one's also cool because Ditko does the sixth issue. Kirby's not involved. And I think he inks one of the, one of the earlier, I think he may ink issue five. That right. might be not true. Steve
1: Ditko, most famous for creating or co-creating Spider-Man and being the yeah. original artist on Spider-Man and writer. Um and, of course, we love Steve Ditko, and I think anybody who loves superhero comics loves Steve Ditko, so it's fun that Ditko shows up as part of the Hulk.
0: Yeah, I think he's an important part of this mixture. Um, especially he defines a lot of what classic Hulk is entails to astonish, but it's fun that, like, Kirby and Lee created this, and then Ditko got involved, and that's where the Hulk sort of was born, out of, like, the three heads of Marvel's uh, a giant, uh, creative giant. Uh, it's It's really cool. Unlike FF, which is so much Kirby and Lee and Spider-Man, which is so much Ditko and Lee. This is like a good helping of Kirby, but there's not nothing from Ditko.
1: Also Kirby just seems to change his mind so much that I'm not sure it's, it's, it's not like he had a plan. It doesn't seem like,
0: anyway, the Hulk is cool. Um, I One think he's a question, great character, and I think it's really fun. No, um, no more questions. No, no. One more question. One more question Sorry, from the back. Sorry, uh, I won't be taking Will any Hines. more questions. Will right, Hines, Will Hines uh, uh, what Los paper you from?
1: Comic Book uh, Gazette.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What's your question? Um, what do you think of the Hulk's representation in the movies, in the MCU? It's good. All right, thank you very much. Uh, no, no, uh, follow-up question, follow-up question, follow-up question. Um, can, you, can you speak to Ang Lee's version and then the Ed Norton version? portrayal and then the mark ruffalo version of the Hulk.
0: yeah i like aspects of every version of the the modern hulk movies the angley movie is bad yeah uh, the special effects are good um uh jennifer connelly is very good as uh betsy
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, uh is it betty ross or betsy ross i think it's betty betty ross i keep saying betsy because betty of the, ross
1: because of uh yeah. our nation's history
0: that's right. Uh, Betty Ross is really great, and uh, who plays General Thunderbolt Ross in that? He's good too. I forget. <laughs> um, uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna Google that.
1: Um, uh, I, the Ang Lee movie is bad, but it was kind of like in an era pre Iron Man, where like there just weren't a lot of Marvel movies, so it was exciting to see it and it didn't look bad it just was boring somehow
0: it was boring and it like it was the story didn't really make sense I like Hulk dogs and it involved uh Sam Elliott Sam uh, Sam Elliott yeah he was great oh my god he's great uh, Nick Nolte as Banner's dad was like a big part of the story and it was just dumb but there's a sequence in the middle of that movie where he's in the middle of the desert fighting the army yeah that I think is phenomenal it is yeah. like a 25-minute sequence And I'm like, well, that is a great short movie about the Hulk. Hmm. It is visually interesting. It is a cool fight sequence. You see the Hulk not kill anyone in a way that makes sense. Like he shakes people out of the tank before he throws it. He is keeping them away, but he's not hurting them in a way that's very believable. Yeah. There's even a scene later on where he uh, jumps on an airplane to keep it from uh, hitting a bridge. Clearly he sees he's going to hit this bridge and the Hulk saves them, but it's like not spoken to. So there's little moments like that throughout. And you also see the Hulk basically be born in this movie and like realize he's indestructible and realize how strong he is and learn how he can jump really high. I mean, we'd never seen a Hulk jump right um, before this movie and all that stuff works really well. It is just unfortunately like 15% of this movie. Yeah. And the rest of it is sort of garbage. Yeah. Kevin, that's why
1: I like talking to you about comics. You have that deep cut knowledge. I, uh, that makes me want to go back and rewatch that
0: middle part. I might do it. The, f- the first sequence where he jumps like across the desert is beautiful, but when he fights the tanks is, uh, I think I remember watching that movie going. If the rest of the movie is like this, it's gonna be good. And then it gets back to being bad again. Uh, I know. What do you think about the Ed Norton Hulk? I think the Ed Norton Hulk is good too. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's as good as. Uh, um, the Ruffalo version of the Hulk. I think it's not as good as like the Marvel movies, you know, Iron Man and the first Avengers. Um, but I, I like it more than most people. I think it gets a bad rap. Um, it's a little less polished. It's a little messier, but here's what I love about it. You okay. get the Hulk like in the first scene. Uh, uh, in in a world where we have Godzilla movies where Godzilla doesn't show up to the last 10 minutes. Yeah. If you're calling your movie the Hulk. Give me the Hulk. Give me the Hulk fast. Let me have fun with the Hulk. And he shows up early and often in that movie. Um, And so I think that's really good. Um, I think Liv Tyler is not great in that movie. But um, she's not terrible either. So the cast is pretty good. And also, um, whoever is Thunderbolt Ross in that is um, still him in the Marvel Universe. So that character is sort of crossed over. Yeah. Even though Ed Norton didn't. Um, looks like the so think, Ed, Ed Norton Hawk is the
1: second film in the MCU after Iron Man.
0: Yeah. And it's sort of ignored. Cause I think it was, it, I think it was being made separately and then they added in this teaser scene with Robert Downey Jr. To sort of link it. Um, but it otherwise wasn't actually going to be connected. It was just sort of like, oh, this movie sort of being made in isolation. Cause it was like a co made movie with Universal, I think, or something. Uh, and William, Hurt, like,
1: William Hurt plays General right, Thunderbolt, and Boros. I think he's very good. Yeah,
0: I think they were just sort of like, "Oh, Iron Man was a hit. Let's get Robert Downey Jr. in this Hulk movie, even though it's finished being filmed." And so there's a scene where Robert Downey Jr. talks to William Hurt. He goes to a bar. He's like, "I hear you have a Hulk problem," and that's just it. As if like the next movie will be Iron Man versus the Hulk. That never pays off.
1: Right. Right. And then, um, and what do you think about Ruffalo and the Avengers and the and the kind of what's become the main Hulk representation in the MCU? Uh, um,
0: and one other thing about the, um, the incredible Hulk with Ed Norton is it ends with like the Hulk being a hero, like going off to fight another monster. And I think that's cool too. Like it gets away from like the army versus Hulk and gets towards Hulk, the superhero. Uh, it's directed Ruffalo, by,
1: it's directed by Louis, uh, Leterrier. I don't know how to say his name. Louis Leterrier. Yeah. And, um, okay, sorry. Go ahead.
0: But Ed Norton sort of, they, we, the story is Ed Norton sort of took over. Yeah. Like, co-directed, co-wrote, changed a lot of it. Oh, I didn't know that. For better or for worse, it's unclear, but Ed Norton is a guy who cannot just sit by and act. He has to be involved in the creation. Interesting. Um, yeah. Then Ruffalo comes in, and I think Mark Ruffalo is phenomenal as Bruce Banner. Yeah. Uh, his relationship with Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. is really fun. Their take on the Hulk, especially in that first Avengers movie, uh, where you don't see a ton of the Hulk, but when you do, it's always great. Yeah. And the Hulk is clearly a good guy in that movie, but a barely controlled good guy.
1: Yes. They really hit that tone well. He looks like he is self-aware enough that he doesn't want to hurt anything, but he looks sort of annoyed by everybody. They really nailed it. They really nailed it.
0: I mean, when the Hulk starts smashing the aliens in that final battle sequence, it is so satisfying. (laughs) Yes. To have the Hulk let loose. And the Hulk versus Thor fight is really fun. Right. That happens on the helicarrier or whatever. Which is, that's Um, an
1: Avenger, oh, that's an Avengers, right?
0: That's an Avengers? Yeah. Uh, Hulk smashing uh, Loki. I mean, Hulk steals a lot of that movie.
1: That's kind of like what he did in the comics, right? He would sort of not have a ton of real estate compared to the other characters, but then they're so memorable. Like when he would guest, when he would guest.
0: Yeah. And it's like, what that movie also has like Robert Downey Jr., like a shocking um, banner all the time. (laughs) (laughs) To try to make him be the Hulk. Yeah. He's like so curious about it. And like, that's fun too. It's like, there's something really interesting about that. Um, so Ruffalo's Hulk is great. My my criticism of those early Hulk movies, and this is a very Kevin Hines only problem, is <laughs> I want my Hulk to talk. I get, I'm tired of the voiceless Hulk who just screams. Like yeah. He says smash in that movie or something. Yeah. But that's about it. Uh, and I'm like, I want the Hulk to have sentences. Yeah. And he doesn't really do that until Ragnarok. Have you seen Thor Ragnarok?
1: I have seen it, yes.
0: I mean, the Hulk has conversations with Thor in that movie and other than the fact that Thor doesn't seem to react to the fact that the Hulk can talk now uh, I love it
1: it's very like the comic
0: book where the intelligence
1: of Hulk seems to vary and you just have to roll with it I wonder if how much of this is because the television show in the nineteen seventies, Lou Ferrigno. I think it's hundred percent. It's one hundred percent because of so that. So people just were used to Hulk yes. not speaking, and so that's just defined it way more than the comics.
0: It seems bizarre to have the Hulk talk. Nobody's ever thought about it, but he's always talked in the comics. Yeah, or almost always. It's rare when he can't talk. Here's um, a
1: here's a really uh, side note in the original Frankenstein story, the Mary Shelley uh, Frankenstein novella. Yes. Um, Frankenstein not only speaks, he's incredibly articulate. I think the first thing he says in the book is he's being like cha- – he's like being chased or hounded by somebody and he goes, I expected such a reception. Uh, and he has this big long monologue about how he's been treated and he's like holding court. Yeah. And uh, we – but for some reason people are like, no, the movie Frankenstein, Boris Karloff doesn't talk and so Frankenstein doesn't talk. A lot of times TV and movies just don't want to deal with these monsters having dialogue and so – yeah. They skip it and that becomes the version.
0: Yeah. It t- takes over and I really hope Talking Hulk um, lasts. I'm in favor of a movie called Talking Hulk. <laughs> the, the Talking Hulk. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Uh, me too. Um, I think it's fun. But I also, I can retroactively justify it as if all these movies exist. Because Ang Lee's movie could exist in the Marvel Universe. It's not, there's nothing in that that um, breaks what we've learned. Yeah. So that's his birth. And then Incredible Hulk is like his first adventure when like only Iron Man exists. And then he shows up in the Avengers and then he shows up in Avengers 2 and he shows up in uh, uh, Ragnarok and and then he shows up in the Infinity War or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not that old. He's learning to talk. He's a child still. The Hulk's age is very young.
1: Even though he was on Ragnarok for a, a year or so, right?
0: Yeah. But like that's where he learned to talk. Like he's like he's getting a chance And especially, yeah, he's he's stuck in the Hulk form in that movie, at the beginning of that movie, for a long time. And that's where the Hulk finally starts to evolve and learn to speak and be his own man a little bit. So you can sort of justify it in that way.
1: All right, that's our pitch, Hollywood. Let's get the talking Hulk going.
0: I just, like, the Hulk should be able to talk as much as Arnold Schwarzenegger talked in Commando. (laughs) <laughs> like, what's good the com- difference?
1: That's a pretty good comparison. All right. Well, um, so next episode, we're going to do the first issue of The Hulk, Kevin. Should we do our mm-hmm. social media stuff now?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, I think I should go through our emails and see if there's anything worth talking about in our next episode. Um, but definitely email us at screwitspidey at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. That's a holdover from our first season.
1: And then uh, we have an Instagram account, Screw It Comics, which is really good. And then there's also a corresponding Twitter account, Screw It Comics. So you can contact us any of those ways.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, Screw It Comics has been pretty silent since our season two ended. Um, but I'll start posting Hulk images there once our, uh, week two of this podcast starts. I'll probably post a couple things just shortly before that. But we will really get underway with that second episode i also do screw it recent which is just a periodically i post stuff that i'm reading that is not talked about on this podcast um so if you can't wait for screw it comics to get going you can always check out screw it recent on instagram as well yeah but email uh, us email us about your hulk thoughts
1: yeah what do you think about the hulk what are your favorite hulk what do you think about hulk in the movies what are your hopes wishes and dreams regarding the incredible hulk
0: and if you want to read along with us um it's just, it's just the first six issues. I believe there is also an epic uh, Hulk collection, just like there were for those Spider Man ones, that probably collects the first six issues of Hulk's and then all his appearances prior to Tales to Astonish. Um, uh,
1: it's called Man or Monster Epic Collection. I'm looking at it right now. And it's yeah. got the Tales to Astonish stuff in here, too.
0: Oh, it does. Just yeah. one issue or mul- multiple issues?
1: Multiple issues.
0: So it probably gets at least into those Ditko issues. Uh, so that's a, that's, a, that's a good buy. It'll probably have the Fantastic Four issues. And it's Spider-Man got a Hulk 1 to
1: 6, Fantastic Four 12, and 25 and 26, Avengers 1 to 3 and 5, Amazing Spider-Man 14, Tales to Astonish number 59, and Journey into Mystery one twelve. So it's only got one Tales to Astonish.
0: Yeah, issue. and so that one is actually not a Hulk story. That is a giant man versus Hulk story that precedes his run in Tales to Astonish. Okay, so that's everything right to this- prior to his actual title. Taking over Tales to Astonish. It's a nice collection. Yeah.
1: Uh, all right, Kevin. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I'll, uh, I'll see you next uh, episode.
0: I'll talk to you next week, and not a moment sooner. Not
1: a moment sooner. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Scooby, Scooby, just Scooby. Comics.
0: Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer, Riley Bray, we make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right, every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect Santa Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time. Then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Bigfoot Collectors Collectors Club, Club. you're You're here here to to believe believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? fire